Welcome back. This is On Resistance Radio. Today we are going to be chatting with the co-host, Marcus Y. Yes, yes, yes. Greetings. It's good to be back in the studio and I hope everyone's doing well. Today we will do a topic on words and questioning and answering. And I think we're going to name this uh, series The Language. Trying to come up with a, a good name for it. But essentially, um, we're kind of just going to pull back on how we've begun to use language and how language constructs our reality and our behaviors and how could we use language as a better tool because words are tools to get a job done and each word works differently to get a different type of job done. So we want to use words in the best ability to have the most constructive result. Also, both uh, language as tool and as a tool that can be utilized by many people and many forces and many institutions and how even if we don't use certain languages, how we have to kind of look at the understanding of how institutions and the state uses language. And even if we don't adopt the values of the state, how do we look at how the state uses language to entrap and to harm? And what does that mean for us to kind of work through that? Definitely. And part of our uh, untrapping of ourselves is definitely the way that the mind works and how we associate ourselves with the words that are being used by the state or by anyone with a form of or uh, illusion of authority. So I brought this up not too long ago about how when we're younger, we're constantly being told to repeat certain words as we don't know we don't know them and we're just you know say this or repeat this or say this word and we say all types of words that are funny we say cuss words we say all these words that we don't have any understanding of and I feel like we're somewhat in that similar state as we go around picking up words that we don't really know the meaning of them and we do that we end up creating reality that isn't our narrative that we didn't create so it's really important to kind of see how the state and how other people of authority are using words against ourselves and how those words create a picture. So if you don't really completely re-examine the word and redefine the word, you're allowing someone else to paint the picture of the reality of that word. And if they're using that word with you in that construct, you're kind of in their reality of what they believe that word is. And the best way to separate ourselves from being in these types of grammar and, and grammar is like, comes from the word glamour, and glamour is like a, a form of uh, illusion, like a magic trick, grammar. So in spelling, like the word spelling is to put a spell. So it's like, how are we, the best way to navigate through the spelling is to question the words in themselves and how they are being used and the people who are using those words. We did a show in the past on language. It was called Can't Say, P-U-S-S-Y, a show on language. And kind of just starting at the level of how how much pushback there is when you spell words differently or you use words that aren't categorized by the official dictionaries. There's pushback for us using words differently. But one of the things that I think I've learned in the course of talking about this logic of reimagining words and language, but also the tactic of using words differently is the the ownership that comes with certain words that ties you to certain words. Mm -hmm. So like even words like, and this is something I think you can kind of be fluid with. Like I'll try to like not use my a lot, but sometimes I still do, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've talked about this before, like my mom or my dad versus the mom or the dad and kind of just talking a little more about like 
what goes into that shift and how how words are tied to ownership definitely yeah it, it is it's really interesting um and i feel like that is the premise of our downfall of our of our like mass amount of oppression individually and, and collectively is the illusion between ownership and us just being here using things like i feel like that's the that's kind of the difference between when we look outside and we see just animals and like squirrels and birds just doing their thing and not like paying rent to the tree gods and stuff like that and just like eating the things as they go they're able to do that in a fluid manner and we also can live that type of lifestyle if we were in that mindset of we're just using things and all these things are here for us to use even the body itself came out of the earth you know and we're just using this this is just a a a piece of the soil that we're able to use until we leave. So it's like, if we really can pull back, we will have less ownership in our in our words and we will have less liability on like the tangible things that don't go our way. And I feel that examining words and with in conjunction with questioning and answering is is the tool of, of you know, liberate. I and mean, those words are interesting too and we will have to def- define those, but there's somewhat of a tool of liberation and, and freedom. It sounds like the way we use words, we have to understand that the words are also using us. Oh, yeah. If we're adopting the words and using them uncritically. Definitely. So the words are you are, are just placeholders for a thought process that we have, that we've inherited, that we pass down of, of ownership and of, of hierarchy and of authority. So if that thought process is being translated through words and is kind of guiding our everyday interactions with each other and you know, kind of binding us to this structure. Um, not saying that if we just change our words, everything will change. But the thought process behind the words can be I feel like a lot of uh, everything does change. It may be not happen, and it's definitely not overnight. It may not happen where you, you start recognizing it right off the bat. Though it, I feel like it does definitely change. And my world is constantly still changing uh, and using words differently. One of the things I was thinking about this morning was like, what beliefs... Our thoughts did you wake up with this morning that are in opposition of your goal subconsciously too you feel like like you said words it reminds me so much of the body and and everything is so connected so like cells by themselves are just cells single cells do their thing but when cells get together they create tissues and when tissues get together they create organs so i feel like words are the same way like words by themselves they do create pictures but as more words become combined they they create like a belief they create like a whole action around those words so it's like really as we're talking about it and we want to talk about it in an elementary form but we really it's, it's a really broad thing and the more we're able to examine the words we're, the more we're able to see what type of beliefs that we're ho- holding even subconsciously because as i said before if we're not defining the words we're allowing another definition to take part in and how we picture our lives and how we paint our lives and another thing that's just really been the thing about words is and and beliefs is that they become stagnant in our actions so we don't even really we're not really in a state of acting to a new situation we're always in a state of reacting to ourselves you know we're really reacting to ourselves and our and our beliefs that we have up until that point and i feel like if we were acting our um, results would be different because if we're truly acting in the moment then we will only do the best things in that moment because we would have acted like if we would have acted in that way before and said, oh, that didn't work. So we know not to react in the same way 
that's like a reaction if we continue to do the same thing. But acting is, I feel like, is assessing the situation as a new situation and saying, oh, this is a different way. And I feel like that's when we're truly acting like, you know, in ourselves versus constantly reacting and reacting. This is just like a really uh, a background to get us to dealing with the state, dealing with police officers. But it's really going inside and, and seeing how we view ourselves and how we view the words that we use and how we view the people that are around us and how they use their words with us and in for us or, or against us. So, you know, I wanted to go into dealing with court and dealing with the police and stuff like that. And part of it, you know, personally, I had a situation to where. A few years ago, 2014, I had uh, two counts of disarming a peace officer and two counts of resisting arrest. Now, people can say whatever they feel about it, you know, whether that happened or not happened. But the truth of the matter is, like, whenever there's a controversy, you just want to find forgiveness and remedy in the situation if you can provide such a thing. If you can. Keyword, if you can. Though you want to question where and how the forgiveness could be brought. So I had this case and I went to court and, you know, anyone who's dealt with court, they know it's like a rigmarole of like constantly going and going and talking to lawyers. And, you know, so I came across some information that was really resonating with me. And a lot of people might think it's um, somewhat like a common law or sovereignty and something like that. And, yeah, people who maybe come to this knowledge have been through those routes, though this is something that's completely about questioning. It's not about telling people what to believe or how to believe. You're just really questioning why they believe that and if it's okay if you have another belief and if your belief can coexist with their belief, you know. Well, the way that I went into court was essentially I went into court, they, they call the name, and this goes into the ideal of ownership. How could we really own a name? Like, how could we really own... What is a name? Like, where, where we can start there, what is a name? A name is a bunch of letters that create a sound. So a name is a sound. How do we own a sound? Like, if sound came with the universe, how do we own it? You know, and it's like sounds are just like these other natural things, power, electricity, water. They're all the same type of resource. So how do we own these things? But we constantly try to own these things. We try, constantly make attempts to own these things. So if name is a sound... How would I own it? And how do I know if someone else is not using that same sound? So do I own something if someone else could use it? Or do I own something if someone else created it? Like I had no effort in the production of the word Marcus. Like I didn't invent the M. Like I didn't come up with the word M. I didn't come up with the letter M. I didn't come up with the cuss sound. Like I didn't invent the cuss sound, you know, that. So how am I, how did I create, you know, how am I a part owner of this name? The only way that we can allegedly own something is if we claim it you know and there's that's the controversy is in the claiming because anytime someone claims something the burden of proof is on them so the whole process of this of the series is to question the burden of proof and don't do not put the burden of proof on, on to yourself put the burden of proof on the onto the person who's making the claim so it's best to stray away from claims and just to ask questions so when they call the name for example, you would say the same thing that the lawyer would say when they go into court. They call the name Samantha Brown here, and you would just say, I'm here for that matter. Because how could you prove that you're Samantha Brown? Yeah, you can have an ID that the state gave you, but is it your name? Like, we go into the name, we go into the sound thing again, we go into the words. Like, we didn't contribute 
to that name. So we don't own it and we're not going to take it with us when we die. We're just here to use it. We're just here to use the name. We're just here to use the things that they would use the body. And the name is just one of those other things. So you would say the similar thing. I'm here for that matter. How could I help? You know, that's that's the intent of the situation. Part of this, too, is having somewhat of an open heart, knowing that you're going in to truly help. We we're under the illusion that we always constantly have to defend and that defensiveness puts us in a negative position. It puts us in an opposition position, really, and is, is not the best position to be in. We want to be more neutral to kind of sit back and look at what's going on. And if we're constantly defending, we're, we're not paying attention and we're not even understanding why we're fighting. Because if we if we really look at it, we're not defendants. We're not fighting. We're not trying to, you know, do any other thing other than help. And that's it. So no matter the, the type of case that one may have, the type of charges that one may have, if they were to go in and just question the the process, the structure, things would be much more in their in their favor, in their liking. So for instance, there's four things usually that people if if you would like to go into a question mode, there's four things that one should take into the court. And one of those things is I'm here for that matter. How could I help? I've yet to be properly noticed. If there has been an injured party, when could I have a meeting with the minds or when can I speak to that injured party? And I'll break those things down for you. Essentially, when you go in, they have a record, there's a recorder, there's a stenographer there, and they need a way to address you, which is fine. And even if they address you by the name, that's fine too, because we don't want to get hung up on the details. It doesn't even matter what they call you, you know, it really doesn't. It The only thing that really matters is bringing the controversy to settlement, to uh, remedy. And essentially, when you say I'm here for that matter, you can say the court could address me as because they're going to say, is this Marcus Y? Is Marcus Y here? You can say I'm here for that matter. And you can address me as friend. You can address me as brother, because these are just these are just sounds we don't own. You know, we, we're just here. We're just here in the moment. And um, the second part is that I, to find the one You've yet had a meeting with the one that's claiming that you've injured them. And then the third part is um, I haven't had a meeting of the minds, which is the same thing. Like you haven't met the person that you've injured. And the last part is how could you help? Essentially, what way could you bring forgiveness if you can, if you've done? Because you're not claiming that you've injured anyone. So how could you bring forgiveness if you don't even know if you've done anything wrong? So you're just saying, if I could bring forgiveness, let me know. Yeah, that's... That's the premise. Those are the four things. Those are the four things. I'm here for that matter. You can address me as such and such. I've yet to have a proper notice. I haven't, you know, I don't know what is actually going on here, so I'm just here to figure it out. I've yet to have a meeting of the minds. I didn't even meet the person that I've hurt yet, so how am I even in this controversy, and how can I help? I'm here now, but, you know, let me know what could I do while I'm here. Those are the four things that you want to carry as far as intentions of why going into the court. And those are the things that you want to focus your questions around when you are into court, you know, because they might say, well, aren't you aren't you Marcus? Why? And you can say, well, how could one? Well, judge, if one is how how would you identify yourself as Marcus? Why, if you own that name, you know, or how would you prove that you did own a name? Put the burden of proof back on them. How judge? How does that work? How does how does one 
how does one show that they own the name judge? And then maybe I do. Maybe I am that person. I could I could do what you just gave an example of. But until they give you an example of how you can claim a name or the way to prove that you are this person, you know, just say you can address me as such and such. Though I want to step back and just say like the the quote, the devil's in the details. So we don't want to get caught up in the details. The name is just part of the details. Ultimately, you know, with working with question and answering, I feel that there's two important parts. There's like looking at the structure, examining the structure, and determining whether the structure is valid or not. Once you determine the structure is valid or not, leave it alone. You know, if it's valid, then go into the details. If it's invalid, do not go into the details because we will only get lost spinning ourselves into those details of what's going on and what's not going on. And we're trying to find like a logical sense of reasoning in an illogical fallacy, you know, a fallacy that's, you know, that's not serving our purpose at all. Yeah, we really want to look more broad at what's going on and looking at the structure and saying, oh, the structure is invalid and questioning it, questioning it from that point of view and not telling the judge that this structure is invalid. You don't have to tell the lawyer that the structure, what you don't have to tell anybody what you believe. You're only there to figure out what other people believe. You know, you're only there to see what's going on. Like the quote says, the speaker knows what he's going to say. It's up to him to listen because he doesn't know what the other person is going to say. So it's like when we go into court, our biggest tool is to listen because we want to base our questions off of the last thing that's what was said in court. I really do want to push the the point on what type of beliefs do we carry subconsciously that are outside of our goals are outside of to serve us in in a negative way and I feel like those are it's the road to really uh, opening up to this type of this type of mindset this type of uh, reasoning and this type of consciousness because essentially what what can we really prove I don't I've yet to really prove anything other than nothing really i can't even prove that i'm on this microphone right now who's who's, how how could i prove that like you'll be listening to it somewhere somewhere else who knows how this recording even happened so it's really it it really i feel like we can stay in like a a mindset of the garden of eden or we can stay in a mindset of heaven or whatever that is to the individual if we are not making stay if and even the word if we refrain, if we refrain from making statements, if we refrain from making claims, and if we refrain from telling other people what to do as if we know what's best, I feel that we will remain in the what could be a, a peace state or what, you know, will be a peace state. I don't know if we're there yet. Definitely not collectively. I'm still working on it individually, though I feel that we will see that type of energy manifest if we're able to step back and just be like, I really don't know much, but I'm willing to hear your opinion on certain things. And I'm willing to share my opinion on that. And this is what's worked best for me up to this thus far, you know? And I feel that we really want to streamline, like what are the most constructive ways of dealing with certain things? Because I feel that our purpose to commune is to figure out what's the best thing in that moment what's the best thing for everyone in in within this moment it's not to completely agree on i think we can be in disagreement and still have constructive ways of problem solving i feel like we can still disagree and have agree on a ways of problem solving that's constructive so i feel that when we really internalize like what are the ways of problem solving what are the ways of getting things done 
I feel that we will go to question and answer, and then it's how we question and answer. What is a tool of questioning and answer? Answering words. Words are the tools, and we are able to create create certain type of questions if we redefine the words. You know, so I'm really big onto people making up words. You know, and this is just a tidbit. Like the word dictionary, allegedly anything with the apostrophe s is is a connotation for opinion, you know, and the, even dictionary in itself is just diction of the word and phonetically pronunciation of the word is not the etymology, whatever that means are the, it's not the complete definition of the word. So it's like when we tell children or when I was told to go look up in the dictionary or look something up, that was probably like some of the most detrimental advice that I've ever gotten. You know, that was probably some of the most painful advices because if we're in the, structure of mistreatment then all the details of mistreatment are going to be false you know so being in a black body if you look in a dictionary half of the words in the dictionary are in opposition of the black body you know so it's like you're already doing yourself a disservice because you're allowing someone else's opinion of a word to define your reality and it's very damaging to have that type of like, why would you want that in your, your paintbrush? Like, why would you want that in your, in your, you know, in your art set when you are projecting your reality and you are participating in, in the things that you're doing? Why would you want to have someone else's definition of, of how to participate on you, which is not serving you? So this is just like a, a pre, I guess a pre-show of getting into more details about how dealing with police, how dealing with court, how to, and all things. This is just not, I mean, even the word court, you know, court is always happening. Truth is what two or more people agree on. And I feel like maybe we agree on different, as a collectively, we, we agree on wrong truths and we are bonded through wrong truths, maybe collectively, though I feel that we really need to, examine the reality and question the reality because then maybe we will find different types of truths that resonate with us. Yeah, with that type of realization of truth, no weapon, you know, it's true. No weapon could, you know, form, no weapon formed against you could prosper, will prosper because you're questioning why would anyone even have a weapon, you know, towards you? Why would you, what type of enemy do you even have? I mean, in in me, in, is that in in me? Is that in me? <laughs> what is it in in me? You know, it's like, do people really have them? Is it, is it in the self? Is it, is it the mind? Like how does, how do things really work? And I feel that if we're able to redefine our, our wording and how we participate, not even just court is always happening. Court is a, is anytime people are talking, they're in court, whether they're, you know, they're their own judge, but they're always in court because you're there to share the truth. You're there to be embodiment of your, your livelihood. So don't get scared about like the walls of a courthouse and like the person with the gun and stuff like that. That's just there as like costume and makeup for the courthouse. But we're always in court. I'm in court in this studio. I'm, I want to project the most truth through, you know, to you guys to, to take in as, something to resonate with to, to be like oh let me examine that let me check this out let me kind of mold that that thought process around in my own mind and see how that works with me and really to just wrap it up and kind of touch on like the main points examine the structure first and if the structure if you feel like the structure is invalid 
blow it up you know because <laughs> it's like do not keep those types of details of that structures in your mind because it wouldn't be serving you in the best way and our job is to replace that and i feel like that that happens with the way we define ourselves that happens with the way that we even all the things that we do you know that all the choices that we make because really the only thing that we have is choice and we are living in a world of false choice and we're living in a world of false illusion of choice so we have to have the choice to not even have the, not even choose the false stuff you know so it's really tough to to live in that type of a chaotic falsehood but um examine the structure the structure is invalid question 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 constantly question and if you question if you ask the right question you'll get the right things and if you ask the wrong question you'll get the right things you know so you really have to know how to question because you know you can ask someone a question in a really offensive way you can ask someone a question in a really derogatory or really and that's up to that individual but you know where your intent is when you're asking a question so what is your intent really when and you can even ask the judge that if they're asking you a question that you may feel like is going to incriminate you you can ask them what is the intent of that question and if they're if they say something that's you know that shows that intent they're already falsely engaging in that court you know they're already doing something false so there's all types of ways to really dissect this information i'm just happy if anyone wants to listen to it to give some background we've been talking about this for a few years now i feel like you've been sharing your research um and how you've practiced it because you have actually practiced this in the courtroom um and the courtroom as you defined it but also is just one arena in which this can happen definitely in terms of the stage that the the state names the court definitely and it can be used in that arena and you know i think that's kind of challenging to ask people to think about that you can go into the courtroom or the state courtroom and really you know know the logic they are using beforehand and decide not to abide by that logic or to take their logic and spin it in a way where like you said like this is just a primer this is the beginning we want to have an ongoing conversation where you know first the use of words the ownership of words and then how that logic plays into the hierarchy the state and how the state uses language in the courtroom to bind you to its own process Mm -hmm. and how if you don't agree with that process then there are ways and tactics, this being the question tactic, Mm -hmm. being one of those ways to kind of go in there and not lay claim to the name. So the first step that you outlined really was, you know, they're going to say, is this person here? And you're going to, someone's going to have to get up on behalf of it. You don't claim that name because that name that is registered to the state. Right. They're going to be like, oh, I thought this was our name. When you claim, when you claim, they're gonna say, "Oh, I thought this was our." Or, "Oh, we got a controversy." How does court work? Like, ask yourself that question. Like, how does court really work? Like, what what does it take to bring something to court? And what I've found is that it takes two people to make a claim, you know, and that makes a controversy. It takes two people to make a claim. So one of the questions while you're in court is, "I want to meet the one laying a claim that I've made a claim." Because it takes two people to be in court that's laid a claim that's saying that there's a wrongdoing that's happened. So you want to meet the person laying a claim on you stating that you laid a claim. That's the the meat and potatoes, if you want to say, of the whole 
point of going in and asking certain things like that. And like I said, it's about intent. Think about everybody in the courtroom as your kid brother or your kid sister, and they believe in the tooth fairy and they want to play tooth fairy. You're not going to tell them that the tooth fairy doesn't exist. You're just going to play along and you're going to be like, all right, this is what I, you know, this is what is going on. But you're not going to completely crush this child's dream of like Santa Claus or the tooth fairy, you know. So I feel like it's the same way. You go in there and you, you're you playing with them, but you're not playing you know, in a way to get along or to, uh, to go in a direction where is unbeneficial to you. You're playing with them to go in a, an actual beneficial direction. The state validates itself, legitimizes itself by laying claim to people, by laying claim to people's bodies. And so the court is the vehicle for the court, the police, these agents is a vehicle by which that happens. And rejecting the state as an imposed mediator because they are saying they are a mediator and that is not true they are a perpetrator definitely they are a party to violence on people's bodies a party to incarceration and violence and the enforcement of law which was created in america through genocide so you're really kind of stepping back from that structure and saying whoa 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 you're calling me to court as a person that has a name that has been incorporated as a, an entity that belongs to the state through the issuance of a birth certificate, of a driver's license, things that, like, as, as Marcus said, we use. In previous shows we've talked about, like, we don't consent to this structure. If we don't consent to this structure, then we have to recognize the methods the state uses to coerce us to lay claim to the structure that we don't consent to. <laughs> if they are saying there is an issue or a um, quote-unquote crime or a disagreement or a conflict which even if there is a conflict amongst people, there's alternative ways of dialoguing and coming to an agreement about what happened and like what steps can be taken. That does not need to involve the state. The state involves itself. Often the crimes are done by the state, by people that are agents of the state. When the police hurt people, harm people, kill people, there's no way to address that in the court. So it's an invalid system. It's only a system that works top down hierarchically. And so just, you know, this is just the beginning of a conversation to go into more because I'm sure people have questions. I know when I first heard about this tactic, I had a lot of questions about laying claim to the name and about how the state deals in making people and treating people like property and how how we can undermine and deny that process and reject the representation model that they force you into when you go into court, that you are constantly reminded that you don't have your autonomy, that even if you don't consent, you aren't considered a, a person or a, or a, or a being because mm. a person I guess would belong to the state but a being mm-hmm. on your own and so you need representation through a lawyer and so right. this is a way of undermining that process of kind of speaking for oneself without claiming the self that the state has assigned you right and the state really didn't assign you a self really they just put like an illusionary wrapper on the body it's like if you were to like package a body you know it's just like you you put like an illusionary barcode on something you know so it's like if you claim oh i'm that barcode they're like oh this is we registered this barcode this barcode is ours controversy right off top you know they're already it doesn't matter what you go in there and say and that's why i think that's the difference between like the sovereign movement and the common law movement and stuff like that because what i've seen of that stuff is people going in and laying claim to their laws like laying claim to Mm. them not respecting their own laws you know and it's like mm, i feel like you you don't want to go in there argumentative you don't want to go anywhere argumentative you know and if people aren't completely comfortable 
going into court like i wasn't when i first came across this information though i was thrown into it so i had to and and you know and if there's people listening who's been in that type of fire or if you're dealing with a you know a dui it doesn't matter what the case but if you're just dealing with some type of legal trouble please feel free to reach out to me have a email address i am the man i a m d a m a n 88 at yahoo.com and if you don't feel comfortable doing this type of stuff like for instance even before i got here i went to a restaurant you know one who doesn't eat meat at the moment i went to this restaurant and i was like yo you guys have any food for someone without a poor vegan or something like that and she chuckled and she was like yeah we do and this is like a what i would call a hoity-toity like an expensive restaurant a raw vegan restaurant and and this has happened to me numerous times where I've just asked people a question and gotten the things that I or had a, a really interesting reaction. I would just say that, you know, I had a really interesting reaction versus like when I would typically go about doing things in, in previous life forms or previous lifetimes. So I would just urge people to even practice this like on themselves and their friends and their family. And like when they're just out and about really question things with like your your intention and the pure intention of what you want to get across like my intention was to be fed and to have nutritious food and Rebecca at Sun Cafe reciprocated that and she she resonated with that and she provided me with something to eat and it was really awesome and I, I encourage all people to ask questions more about their surrounding and particularly about people who are enforcing authority upon them so this is the beginning of a conversation. It looks like we're going to have a series on uh, both the state, logic of the state, and the tactics that this tactic, the question tactic that can be used when forced into interactions with these people, with this in- these institutions, which, you know, to some degree we all are because this institution, this, the state, is, is organizing us. Definitely. Versus us organizing ourselves. And so, and then also maybe we can touch more on in a later show uh, the distinction between use of the tactic and uh, the adoption of or the agendas of movements like the Sovereign Citizen Movement, mm-hmm. uh, which is like has is known more for this tactic, but is very white dominated and reactionary and mm-hmm. um, racist at times. So making a distinction between the tactic and um, those ideologies right. at some point. Definitely. Yeah, that would be great. And if anyone has any like personal situation that they're going through, I would love to you know chat about it and give any opinions and any constructive information that I may have to help with that situation. And if you have any questions, please email on resistance or contact us here at KPFK and, you know, we'll get your questions or any, any of the sort. Yeah. You can email us at onresistanceradio at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We also have a SoundCloud for past shows. Um, SoundCloud.com slash on dash resistance. We're on Twitter. And uh, if you support the radio station, as always, go online to kpfk.org and make a donation. And uh, we thank you so much for listening to us today and have a great week. Bliss.